0: welcome to the for love and money podcast the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change here's your host carolyn butler madden
1: welcome to the latest episode of the for love and money podcast and i'm super excited to introduce you to my next guest we've just been talking and oh my god her energy is electric and I had to say stop 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 we've got to record this podcast because you're telling me so many amazing things. So let me introduce you to Yaz. Yaz is the founder and chief evangelist of the award-winning circular economy enterprise Circonomy. An entrepreneur of impact and a circular economy pioneer in Australia Yaz recently closed a $4 million equity capital raise to expand nationally with Officeworks as a key investor and shareholder. Together, through expansion of reuse, repair, resource recovery, and re-commerce initiatives, Yaz is thrilled to work with partners and investors to bring the next phase of growth, seeing her economy vision come to life. Yaz, welcome to the For Love and Money podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. I, I I can't wait to get into your backstory. But before we do, um, what do you think is the role of love in business? Oh. <laughs> wow.
0: Oh, my gosh. I get so excited just thinking about this. I accidentally once said, and now I roll with it because it's. I didn't realise how... Um, how well it summarised how I felt about love in business. But I was on stage at the CEO um, inaugural event years ago and now it's formerly CEO, now known as Coralis. Um, and I had to get up on stage and talk about my business and my business logo at the time was a big love heart. And just out of my mouth sprouted, love is the next disruptor in business. Yay.
1: And I just
0: thought, yay, yes, love in business as a seat at the table. And I've always been baffled, but I never had the capability or capacity to articulate it or understand what the feeling and energy was inside of me. And I'm sure it was love. But, you know, I used to sit around the boardroom table and leadership tables as a professional in the corporate world, wondering why things just weren't making sense to me. And it was because there was a lack of the pure essence of love. And when I became a founder, And the Love Heart logo emerged and one of my great friends really helped me understand that love was a value within me and also in our business. I just felt strongly that we need to not leave our homes and leave the love inside the the houses we live in, but actually to bring the love to the workplaces that we live in because we actually spend more time awake at work than we do often at home, or I do anyway. (laughs) So I think that we should be proudly bringing the love factor to our workplaces in obviously appropriate ways, but love is who we are. Love is what flows within all of us and we live our lives for love and I don't want it left on the shelf in our homes anymore.
1: Oh, that is beautiful. And I'll pull out something you said. Love was a value in me and my business when you reflected on when you worked in corporates and yes i mean it, it is so simple and love is really a value in most people it is. um and a really important one so why why would you leave it at home as you say why would you yeah. not bring it into the workplace it why do, would you does. not look for it yes. in a workplace
0: and, and on that My little challenge, it's very early in our recording. I know I'm asking something of people straight away, (laughs) but don't ask, don't get right. But I remember doing the love language test with my daughters when they were eight and seven and they were fighting. And I thought, girls, come in here. I want to know what your love languages are because you two are not communicating well to each other. So one was trying to hug the other. The other was trying to beat her up, for trying to hug her. And I just could feel that I could discover something through them right that at that moment. So they did the love language test many years ago. It was eight, eight or nine years ago now. And what was discovered was, you know, the eldest daughter, her love language was physical touch. The younger daughter, her language was at the time words of affirmation. And I explained to them that my love language was quality time. Their dad's love language was um, acts of service, and that in our house, there are five love languages, and four of us have a primary love language that differs from the other. So, to understand one another, I explained how each of the love languages worked. Anyway, long story short, they had a fight a few weeks later, and the outcome was vastly different. And it triggered the love for me in business, and the vastly different nature was daughter one was fighting with daughter two same as the weeks before but but as daughter one stopped and stomped up the stairs the fight seemed to be resolved but then she shouted to her sister come upstairs anyway the, the younger daughter stomped up the stairs but as she started to stomp she stopped and I poked my head out and I saw her picking up pieces of paper on post-it notes of words of affirmation that were written by her sister telling her how much she loved her how sorry she was how she had three more steps to climb please come up all the way i love you i'm sorry so so remembering that daughter one has a physical touch love language but she started to give love in the second daughter's love language words of affirmation she gave love in that way and then when the younger one got to the top of the stairs of course she hugged her big sister oh and my gave god love that in no is- way
1: beautiful
0: how can you not take an example from an eight and seven year old so I took it straight to the boardroom the company I was working at the time the next day I was like I need to know your love languages so everyone did their love language (laughs) business and then we started to share it with everyone and it completely changed the way that people interacted so now and Gary Chapman's five love languages it's his work not mine but I absolutely 100 percent When I'm working with someone and especially close with someone, I need to know their love language. How can I possibly be a good connection and have a relationship with them if I don't? And, of course, I equally want them to know mine.
1: That's amazing. That is such a beautiful story. What's the challenge? You said (laughs) you're going to throw in a challenge. The challenge is
0: I want people to go and do their love languages and share them with their team, not your partner, not your wife, not your husband, not your couple, and maybe not even your children. And of course, do all of that because you do that abundant love at home. The abundant love, and I credit that to Jess in my team, because love is definitely up front and center in our business. And I heard her tell the story the other day to a customer about evolving love in our business to abundant love. And an abundant love is something that we do for our team, our customers, our partners, our each other, everybody. We really do live and breathe the love in our business. And knowing your te- it's awkward, right? So first of all, it's a challenge to ask your team members or your colleagues to do their love languages and to get them to expose that to you because it feels very intimate. But this level of relationship and connection can exist at work without, you know, crossing bounds of inappropriateness right it's professional love is not something to be ashamed about and we've got to start living and breathing it in our in our work every day
1: that's brilliant love is not something to be ashamed of yes in Mm. fact in Mm. fact bring it to the table and it will unleash incredible energy innovation Mm. agility resilience Mm. Everything that, you know, workplaces are crying out for? Yes. So I it it
0: really gets me reflecting because I don't play the woe is me, I'm a woman card. I, I understand the differences and I absolutely from the front line will fight for equal rights. But what I find really interesting is that when we are in the workplace, we were told many years ago, don't bring your feelings to work, don't cry in the boardroom, don't, 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 basically don't be you. Well, that, of course, those boxes are bull and this this is where the bounds of the strength of our natural state and energy flow of being a woman and having the emotion is actually to bring to the table because we, we evoke that so naturally and our energy is so pure. That actually, it's not that women are missing from the boardroom and and the businesses. It's that our energy is missing. So it's about bringing our tears, our fears, and 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 really being okay that we might not make a pretty face when we react to something because we're appalled at what was said, and that is okay and safe to be our natural selves. And I forever, I remember when me too came out, and it was so. Oh, I'm not the only one. We all felt that, right? We all felt like the world was now having conversations that were important. Well, I don't know about you, but my report card you say, Yasmin is too loud. Yasmin talks too much. Yasmin is too disruptive. And all these natural states I now know are my superpowers and my natural energy were all things I was told not to be. Yeah. So for me, you know, when Me Too came out, it was wonderful. And now I feel like our next phase is be two, right? Be too shy, be too much, be too loud, be too quiet, be too whatever the hell you are. Because when someone tells you you're too something, they're actually telling you what one of your secret native geniuses are. And instead of us muting that, we should be magnifying it. So for me, One of the things I've learned over the last year in my own business where I've really had to lean into love, find love, lost love, and and love was the centre of everything for me, what I found was me.
1: Unapologetically
0: being all, all the things that I am too much of and I freaking love it. I love myself and there's the hashtag that I promised Dixie Crawford that we were going to actually um, make go viral because when someone says they love themselves, like isn't that, I mean, Whitney tells us, learn to love yourself, it's the greatest love of all. But for some reason, despite that song and those words, the minute anyone says, I love myself, the awkward looks on the faces yes. of the people that hear it are enough to turn you off forever saying it again. And I am going to say absolutely, hashtag I love myself you will see I made a promise to Dixie Crawford yesterday when she wrote something on LinkedIn that powerfully moved me and got me just crying tears of joy because she just owned herself and the words were and I'm going to credit her but I'm going to read it it says I now won two things in my life I meet Trey from the South Dubbo Tavern in 2009 and last night the Canberra Women in Business, Indigenous Businesswoman of the Year for 2022. Woohoo! Thank you to my team, friends, community that supported. And of course, she thanks everybody. Now, in my acceptance speech, I told the audience that I deserve this. And it is absolutely true. I've worked my butt off to operate a multi-million dollar business that only a few years ago had $76 to its name. Now, she was in the room that day. I said, love is the next disruptor in business. And I remember her being on the margins at that time and struggling and as struggling as a woman of colour and an Indigenous woman, even you know profoundly inhibited by even more bias than us women who are fortunate to have the privilege of being white. So I love that she wrote, after years of realising that being too much is exactly enough, I've learned to love myself for my boldness, unapologetic ambition and this unmitigated blackness that runs through these veins. That grit and focus has served me well and will continue to serve me well as I set bigger goals for myself. And I couldn't help but write a reply on her post that, again, unapologetically said, hashtag, I love myself. And we are going to make it go viral because... People need to start feeling comfortable when we accept ourselves for all of our imperfections, for all of our faults and flaws, but we still find the love inside because if we focus on the good, we can only get better. And if we don't focus on the good stuff, we will never reach the epitome of truly finding that love for the one person that matters most in our lives. And that is yourself. That is
1: gold. That is absolute gold. Um, and be- before I pick over it, can can you just share, because we have um, listeners from all over, including overseas, um, can you just let our listeners know who Dixie Crawford is?
0: Yes, absolutely. So Dixie Crawford is one of the most incredible women you will ever meet. Her um, she's actually an Aboriginal engagement consultant. That is her role. She's um, She just won Canberra Indigenous Woman of the Year and she's absolutely all about leadership and she is a strong voice for women in this country. And, of course, our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are the oldest um, living... Uh, living people in the world 60,000 years this woman her power inside is just multiple generations of knowledge and storytelling and I just soak up the essence of this woman anytime she speaks I know that I'm not just hearing her voice I'm hearing the voice of thousands of years of knowledge that have passed down through her, through her indigenous culture. And I know that it's such a privilege to live in this country and have the capacity to learn from people like Dixie. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, um, and thank you for that. And just go, going back to what you were talking about this, this idea of loving yourself, valuing yourself, Owning it, yeah, it goes against the rules of what we've been conditioned to accept. Um, it does. The grooming, the grooming of society, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to present a certain face that isn't yours. No. You know, you channel certain things to present that face. Yeah. And you, and you hide even even showing up with, you know, speaking up. It's mm. like, how am I going to be judged if I say this? How do I say this in a way that is acceptable? And it it's so interesting that um, we have such a society has been shaped, groomed and shaped mm. to mm-hmm. present a certain face, mm. which obviously lacks diversity, obviously lacks the balance between female energy and male energy but beyond that actually lacks all the different types of unique energies that people bring to the table yeah
0: it really does and I have to admit to you that I had a moment that that probably really changed my life or made me realize that my life was going to change although I didn't admit it to myself at the time I get told often Gee, you're confident for a woman. Gee, you're bold. And I'm I am all those things, right? I am confident. I I back myself in. I'm far from arrogant. I can tell you I'm self-assured and I have great self-awareness. And I know I'm bold and I know it's brash at times, but I really like to just cut through the clutter. And just be real, right? That's important to me. It's one of my values. I just want to speak the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. My mum told me that when I was young, the truth hurts, the truth hurts. Well, that's saying you get taught when you're growing up. Of course, the truth hurts. But I don't want to deliver truth in a hurtful way. But I also don't want to pretend I feel something that is not true. So I remember saying once um, I was in a conversation with my former husband. I am openly quite comfortable talking about my separation. So my former husband, who's a wonderful man, and I have nothing but good things to say about him, But I remember this experience that I had and I saw the look on his face and heard the words. And it's not offensive at all to him for me to tell this story, but I want to share the reaction, which is the reaction, his representation and reaction is a representation of all reactions I get or other that we all get. And I said something to him like we were having a little argument and, you know, we were verbally bashing each other probably at the time. And I said something like, I really actually love myself. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I really love myself. And his response was, gee, you have tickets on yourself. And I was like,
1: oh,
0: "Oh my God, this man I love thinks that. Like that's not okay. And it wasn't about that moment or him, but it was about the fact that he felt so comfortable telling me what everyone else thinks Mm. when they hear it. And I'm so grateful and appreciative for that moment in my life with him because What he taught me, I didn't even take it as a personal thing. What he taught me was this is how people feel, Yaz, when you say that. This Mm. is what this is people's raw reaction. And he verbalized the raw reaction. And I thought, I have to do something with that reaction. I need to try to understand why on earth we are taught, there are poems and books and scriptures and songs. And we get into them and we sing them like we're powerful. And We read them so profoundly and we feel it all inside and then we lock it inside. Mm. Why do we lock it inside? Because people react like that. Well, I actually think it's time for us to start innovating and getting the early adopters and those of us who are crazy like Dixie, myself, you and others. Why are we not just proudly and loudly saying, I love myself? And it's okay. It doesn't mean you've, you're not flawed. It doesn't mean there's things about you that are cracked and creviced to the extreme. But it's the, it's an acceptance and love for you that allows you to then take that power it creates inside. And this is not a power over other people. This is a power within yourself mm. to then go and use that power as a force for good to make impact, to make money, to make love, to make it, all of these things we are supposed to do
1: in life. I absolutely love that. And what I love, that, that idea of, of shame in saying words like that is so deeply ingrained in society, right? Mm. Like it's deep. And yet, what I love about what you're saying with I Love Myself and building this movement around that hashtag and 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 idea is it forces you to ask yourself what do I love about myself yes it gives you permission to actually ask that question of yourself and go inside and think about it and reflect on it what are the things about me that Mm. allow me to love myself and it's only when you do that that you start thinking about your superpowers you know the things that you actually really truly value about yourself and once you can actually value them only then can you start thinking about how others might be able to value them as well absolutely and i
0: think you know there's a saying and and we can adopt it and adapt it to to be more about you rather than things but in my business I use this quote often and I'll need to get the person's name, but but it says we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Just mm. let that hit home for a moment. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Deep, right? And yep. I'm going to just look at it up right now because it's really important that I credit the person that said it. Um And I'm gonna have to find that, right? So we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes, yes. So the key for me is there's actually a similar mantra for us, right? So who are we? Who are you? And that's an important thing. So who are you? And and I'll preface it with this. When I meet people at networking events or at a school thing, wherever, people go, Ah, hi, I'm I'm Yaz. I'm the founder of Soconomy, blah, 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 bull again. So for me, I don't actually like to ask, so what do you do? I prefer to say, so who are you? Mm -mm. Because when you ask who are you, the mask cannot help either to be, it'll shatter on its hinges on someone's face and they will literally pour out their instantaneous permission to say who they are and that has happened to me when people do that and i literally am brought to tears when it happens
1: who you know i love yeah that that is so powerful it's i read somewhere recently um that western societies always start with what do you do and i know yes. my husband who's from montenegro which mm. is in the former yugoslavia um when we came here together like 25 30 years ago um uh, whatever it was back then but um, yeah he, he, he noticed it straight away and he was like what does it matter what you do isn't it who you are and yes. and I, I read somewhere that I think other, um, other societies uh, um, Asian societies they always ask who are your family ah. like they want to know about the family background right yes. which is interesting but who are you Yes. This goes to identity, which is one of my favourite themes, um, mm. particularly when it comes to business, yes. work and love in business or purpose in business. Mm. Mm. Um, it, you know, we all know about start with why, yeah, which that's... was amazing when, when yeah, Simon yeah. Sinek first shared that with us back in the day. But today it's different. You know, today our, our circumstances rely on the environment we live in the context of the environment mm-hmm. we live in and what it needs us to to do right and that doesn't start with why mm-hmm. it starts with who who it does it, it, starts, it all starts with, starts who, with who, who you are
0: it does and i'm looking right like i'm looking at my whiteboard right now and and it says i am yaz which you know we talked about off off mic before I am Yaz. And following my separation, my surname's Grigolinus, right? It's a great surname. It's my kid's surname. It was my surname for 23 years. Um, and it doesn't feel like me anymore because I'm not married or, or in the process of not being married. And so I really sat there and whiteboarded my identity. Who am I? And it all came back to I am Yaz because I introduced myself as I am Yaz. And now I own IamYaz.com. Don't look it up yet. Or, well, you can look it up, but I don't have the website yet. But but it says words like, you know, I am Yaz, too big, too loud, too bold, too sensitive, too emotional. These are all the be you, be two things that I really feel are critically important because when you say who are you, it gives you permission to be you and Mm. I think that the vehicle I travel in today which is my economy company is different to the vehicle I've traveled in in the past which are multiple other different roles and if we keep living by the roles that we are we're only going to be a small version of the person because don't they say that kids are going to have 15 to 20 different jobs so how how can we be 15 to 20 different people as we introduce ourselves today and in the future of all the different vehicles we're going to travel in right like Jim Collins talks about the good to great which seat get the right people in the right seat on the bus well the bus is going to change and you're not a different person on each different bus you are essentially if you do the work you are one person one whole human and yes you'll change and you'll adapt and you'll grow and you absolutely should but you are not the mask that you wear on the bus that you're sitting on today and that energy that you're expending doing all of that is only thieving your own time. Not all the other people you're blaming, not all the people you're shaming and not all the people you look out to to go, oh, but woe is me. Why don't I have everything I want? Well, it's because you don't know who you are. So do the work on yourself. Find the love inside first. And what's that? I mean, did your mum ever tell you? You got to love, learn to love yourself before you can yeah. love anyone else. But let, like, like we're taught to love ourselves before we can love anyone else. But did I really love myself while I was in that long-term relationship? I believe I did, but the secret sauce and decorations and sparkles of me that I kept inside. And so while I loved her, I didn't see her very often. And so I was just like a plain cake, nice in the cupboard, you know, delicious and you know, devour the cake because it's nice. It's a good cake, right? I'm a good cake. I'm happy to say that. But (laughs) all my decorations that made me uniquely me, the total most beautiful person, and I'm not talking about the outside, but the most beautiful person on the inside of me, she was just slightly dimmed enough to steal my whole human away from me until I did the work. And I just feel like I was fortunate because my business is unashamedly about love and impact. And therefore I could not escape it when I went to work. And I, that's why I'm so passionate about love being the next disruptor in business because it will help us love
1: ourselves more authentically. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh my God. So just, the secret sauce and decorations and sparkle of me that make me uniquely me that is just perfectly that is such a perfect analogy um oh that's gold mm-hmm. love it love it have you no have one wants you... the plain sponge right
0: like no one wants the plain no sponge.
1: <laughs> no wants to decorate the sponge <laughs> and yet we sponge ourselves down to show no, up no, we do we for do, the biggest part of our lives No. And we're not
0: doing that anymore. I'm not doing it. And I know my role. Yes, I'm the founder of Soconomy and I love and adore my business, but I won't be in my business forever. Absolutely not. There will be people smarter than me, better than me, more qualified than me to build and scale this company, to take it to where I know it can go. But as a founder, the way that I'm wired, there is no way that I can do that role. Absolutely not. And how's the irony? Today's the 1st of November and today is the day that our new CEO appointed formally actually starts officially today. In fact, as I get off this recording, we're welcoming him to the company. And what I love about this is I'm a visionary and my my vision has come to life and I'm so proud. But if I stayed in the driver's seat of this business, this bus would crash because I am not the driver. <laughs> And, and I'm not going to let the vision that I know will come true and to fruition. So for the vision to come to fruition, the founder, this founder is not the the CEO of a scaling business. It's not my native genius. And it is not where I get my energy and flow. And so I'm now the chief evangelist, as you introduced me as before. I get to be the person that goes out and talks to customers, to hear the pulse of the world, to understand circular economy nationally, globally, to hear people's problems and how we might be able to design future solutions. That is the, that is the seat for me on this bus. And, and Brian will
1: drive the bus. And you get to be you in your full glory.
0: Oh, I do. And with all my cracks and crevices and I don't need to try and pretend to put on a mask that's going to minimise me, it's not who
1: I am. Yeah, yeah, Chief Evangelist, that's perfect. That is absolutely (laughs) perfect. Okay, that, that, okay, that was question one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Holy moly. Holy moly. So we might have
1: to, we might have to make this a two-part interview. (laughs) Enjoying the podcast? If you're looking for more inspiration, head to our website, thecauseeffects.com.au for more resources on how you can start using your business as a force for good. Or buy the For Love and Money book. Every copy sold allows us to protect one square meter of rainforest. Help us save 10,000 square meters by 2025. So, all right, brilliant, it's economy. Um, can you share a bit of your backstory that that has led to soconomy, which has only just recently launched, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, the secret is actually like world's biggest garage sales, how the business started. And I sit here with the badge on, right? I always wear the love heart badge to honor our roots of where we came from. And the world's biggest garage sale actually started out of wanting to have a garage sale to raise money for charity because I was training in a tri-squad at the time and we wanted to raise money for Smiling for Smitty through the Marta Foundation, right? And so I thought, how do you raise money without asking people for money? Because I could feel the donor fatigue. People were sick of cupcakes and brownies and raffles. And so I decided to have a garage sale, call it the world's biggest garage sale. And everybody gave me all their stuff. And the stuff I was getting to sell at this garage sale was not the things being put in charity bins, right? Because it was higher quality, dormant goods is what I called it at the time. Anyway, long story short, we did $15,000 at that first ever World's Biggest Garage. Amazing. In 2013, right? So it's almost 10 years. But all I could think of when I had 10 grand stuffed down my pants was, how do we do this better next year? And so I was <laughs> instantly already hooked I, i'm un, like i'm unstoppable right you once once something once i get an energy for something i just can't stop so so the next year i took a month off my job built the next world's biggest garage sale we did a single day event we raised sixty thousand dollars gave it all away the next year we did the same again raised almost a hundred thousand dollars gave it all away and then i thought to myself i could hear the customers saying will you ever do this as a job would you create jobs instead of using volunteers, how could you do this permanently? And they were asking me the questions that I then asked myself. So in 2017, I quit my job, no plan B, and just decided that I was going to build this company called the world's biggest garage sale. I had no business plan, no business canvas. I mean, I have business acumen and knowledge, of course, but I just knew inside, I felt the energy. I thought this circular economy thing, this is the big deal all these goods that the charities aren't getting, this is a big deal. How do we get more of this stuff out of people's homes, out of businesses' cupboards, off the shelves, and actually making money so we can make impact and not just, you know, money for putting things in bins that then eventually ends up going into landfills. So I just felt that there was this middle market to be tapped into. And I wanted to basically take that market and understand how far we could take it. So World's Biggest Garage Sale started in 2017. But interestingly, as we started to um, apply for an accelerator program in 2018, I didn't feel like World's Biggest Garage Sale really refined what we were and who we are enough. I thought we would outgrow the name. And remembering I was only in business officially for nine months at this time. But in May, literally nine months, like a baby, after, after the business was started in May 2018, I actually created the Brands Economy. And I registered the brand, and I just kept it on a shelf because I knew oh. one day. I knew one day we would use that brand, and the reason I knew it is because I could fit. I was going to all these events, talking about circular economy, getting up on stage, pitching my pants off, and people were still saying circular what? And I knew it was a four point five trillion dollar industry. I'm like, what do you mean circular what? And there's always even hashtagging, tweeting you couldn't ever nothing trended with circular economy so i thought well before this thing trends i'm going to go and create a new word and create a new brand and eventually soconomy would be the visionary brand of who we are and of course following our capital raise recently it really gave us the space and time to be able to refine the vision to bring it to life and to really now set the set the goals for the next 5 years of being able to be like globally we have a waste problem we know that the future is circular and for us we innovate this new economy as this economy.
1: That's incredible. So within eight months of actually starting the business, you, mm. you, you understood that the brand name didn't fit the bigger picture of what you were yes. trying to achieve.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, and so fast forward to today, and I know Officeworks is involved. So what actually led to that transition?
0: Oh, it's such a beautiful story, actually. It was in 2019 we started working with Officeworks to solve their waste problems, right? Like they are an amazing purpose-led business, even though they're listed on the Stock Exchange and the biggest, you know, um, office supplier in this country. Um, they were really passionate about sustainability and did not want products that were slightly imperfect or returns going to landfill. And so we did, became their partner. We did a pilot with them in 2019 And the pilot was just so beautifully timed. I suppose the message for me, from me, for founders or entrepreneurs or even intrapreneurs out there, if you have an idea and you really feel the energy of that idea in what I call the hut, which is your heart and your gut, not your head, because the head often talks us out of things. But if your hut says, yes, I knew that we needed to have an event to prove that all this stock we were getting given at the time, what we called surprise chain, I wanted to turn surprise chain into supply chain. So we held an event and the event was scheduled in March 2020. How's the irony? Literally the Saturday before the world shut down. Now, You're if right. we didn't say yes and have that event on that day, and if it was we, one week later, we never would have been able to bring that pilot to life and we wouldn't have the partnership we have today with Officeworks. But they were our customer for three and a half years and we service them and reduce their waste, diverted 98% of the product that was coming through our surprise chain warehouse. And when we were able to demonstrate both commercial and community impact and value for purpose and for prosperity, um, as we were raising capital, it was a natural progression for Officeworks to take a look at our pitch deck. And I have to admit, I was minutely embarrassed because when they asked to see the pitch deck, I wasn't actually thinking about them to invest at in this phase. But that was a silly move on my part. But um, they asked to see the pitch deck and I had to say to my contact, I'm like, yeah, that I'm happy to send you the pitch deck, but I just need to tell you in advance that I've kind of got a slide in there that says we're going to get West Farmers. <laughs> because Officeworks is a West Farmers brand. And I like had this hockey stick saying, you know, three-year pilot with Officeworks, then we're going to get Kmart, Target, Catch, Bunny, <laughs> And I have to admit, I was a bit embarrassed. I thought, shit, should I pull that slide out? But I didn't pull the slide out. And I was just really honest and authentic. And again, I suppose that's part of, you know, for me, the bravery. And, and I know Brene Brown talks a lot about brave, but brave for me because I love acrostics. And I I got Yasmin was always such a hard acrostic to do when you're a little girl because Y doesn't stand for many things. But my acrostic for brave.
1: You, is, Y stands for you.
0: Yeah, you, oh, I like that. That. I'm taking that one Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think it's yours <laughs> I love it you but but my my brave acrostic is being raw authentic vulnerable every day mm. that is what brave is to me and brave is I could have just pulled that slide out and sent it without it to Officeworks but I thought be brave be authentic and vulnerable. Be who you are. This is who you are and do that every day. Every day. Yep. Raw, authentic, vulnerable every day.
1: That's challenging, right? That's brave. Oh, my God.
0: Look at the pain on my face. You can see my face. Other people can't right now, but it actually causes pain. It hurts. But I don't understand why things, when things are painful, we move in the opposite direction, yet when we work through the pain, that is when we have the most gain. So I wish I could help people understand that the pain, in pain, is where you gain. And I just, I've had a lot of experiences in my own life, personally and professionally, that make me literally want to my mouth when I think about it. But I just know that because I didn't turn the other way and And walk away from the hard that when I worked through the pain and the hard and the hell it actually is growth it's where I found more of the essence of my whole human even though everything within the fabric of me said gosh, you don't want to do this. Don't do this. Go procrastinate. Go go distract yourself with something else. Don't do this. You don't deserve it. You don't want to. These are all that we all have the voices in our heads. Don't pretend we don't. Mm. But I just have this way and I don't know how. I do not know yet. Mm, actually, I think I'm starting to piece it together, but that's a whole other podcast, right? But I have this way of knowing inside my head of almost being able to be a drone, looking down at myself Truman style and just saying, Yaz, you actually need to go do the hard thing. Mm. Just get over it. Stop wasting time. Tick tock, tick tock. Those seconds are gone. 168 hours a week. I got taught that by Graham Evans, one of my managers, when I was a young woman in the corporate world. Everyone has 168 hours. Oprah. Greta, Elon, everyone, every single one of us, Beyonce, anybody else that you insert their name here if you admire them or think they're killing it, 168 hours a week, how much of that time are you stealing from yourself? (laughs)
1: Because
0: you are the thief. You are the thief of your own time and I choose to not be a thief of my time. I want to maximise my time so that I can lay there one day and go, I'm really glad I lived my truth. And I can tell you, and and it's profound to say, but if I, you know, if I was to lose my life at this age, I'm 46, I would have zero regrets because I have lived the most fullest 46 years of life that I could ever have dreamed of. And I would peacefully lay down and say, gee, I'm proud I was me. And do I regret anything? I only wish that I found myself earlier because I could see her there. She showed up a lot and then she was shut down a lot and then she showed up a lot again and she kept getting shut down. And every time she got shut down, she did not feel right. And so the ugly, hardest fight I've ever had to fight for is fighting for me. And it was worth and is worth losing it all. I would be as happy living on the street tomorrow with nothing, providing I didn't lose me. And I'm not prepared to lose me for anyone or anything. And that strength, is extremely confronting for people. Mm. But I want people to find that strength inside themselves because nobody gave me anything that really provided me with advantage. What I got though was a lot of honesty that I accepted. I got a lot of feedback that I didn't reject. I listen and I learn and I heard people And while I sometimes believed the narrative, which was absolutely false, as soon as I stopped listening to the false narrative of other people's opinions, I just made sure that the feedback loop was the opinion of myself, knowing deep inside who I am, what I stand for, what I live for, and I would walk away tomorrow from everything to keep true to myself.
1: Amazing. And, that narrative, particularly your self narrative, that's all you are, isn't it? The stories Mm -hmm. we tell ourselves about ourselves Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. make us entirely who we are. And we have the choice to decide what those stories are. And yet so often we adopt the stories of ourselves that other people give us
0: oh yes we do yes we do
1: and sometimes our okay. parents sometimes our parents yes. right and and they, they're not necessarily doing it you know in a negative way but they see a part of their child and that's the part they want to see they don't necessarily see another part of that child and yet so many of us and I've I've fallen into the trap um until I realised it was like, but actually, that's not who I am. That's yeah, no, not who I that's, am.
0: That is so true. I remember a moment when I was young, and it's no offence to my family or upbringing, I had a, an, a, an amazingly loving family, but I remember there was words, and I did this during some deep self-work recently, and the words were, I think I was maybe nine at the time, tone it down, Yaz. Mm. Tone it down. And... I was a very good girl and I didn't break many rules. I stretched boundaries. Of course, I did. I'm absolutely got energy inside of me that takes things to the fringes. But I was imprinted with this tone it down. And then my report said the same. And I got this narrative like, just make yourself a little bit less bright. Don't shine your light. It's going to burn people's eyes. And so when I became a parent and then I learned all these, you know, more things about myself, I almost had this habit of thinking that I was going to have this type of children because this is like who I am. My children will be like this. My children are nothing like I expected and it is the greatest gift I've ever been given. I learn so much from them and I am actually an amazing mother because I give my children permission to be all of themselves no matter how it is at times. (laughs) Yes. It drives me mad and sometimes I react like my mother and it's not okay, but, you know, I pull myself up and I had a moment in last night, my daughter, she's 16, she jumped in my bed and we just had beautiful conversations and I sat there and appreciated that she feels so comfortable being her whole human and that is the gift I want to give to the world, to let people feel that being the whole human that you are with all your imperfections, because we all have them. Just like all the products that come through my business imperfect, we are all imperfect, but we should not be putting us in waste piles and in landfill because of our imperfections. We actually need to soak up the essence of all of these imperfections to see the true beauty of all that we are. And my daughter drives me crazy. Both of them do. And I want to sometimes just punch myself in the face at how on earth I didn't get children like I expected. Uh, it's, a, it's a gift. yeah, I didn't I so I changed the narrative to I didn't get children like I expected. and what a growth, very painful at times. but what a growth journey that has been for me as a mother, as a leader, and as a friend. I see as my children become adults, we will absolutely have beautiful relationship. We won't, always, we won't always agree and we will absolutely bump heads at times, but that's where you grow. And so I just feel like that's the gift I want to be able to give the world is if I can show up as my whole human, maybe it will just give people permission to show up themselves as a whole human too.
1: Yes, and it goes to the heart of I I um I saw a statement on the Circonomy website which was a vision, mm-hmm. right, which is a world where nothing yes. useful goes to waste including human potential Human potential I know and and what you've shared with us about your family um it it says it all doesn't it and and I think at the heart of that idea about um being comfortable being your whole human is just accepting understanding and accepting that not everybody's going to like you and that's okay you know, yes. because because when we try and and dumb ourselves down or conform so that everybody likes us, we become vanilla robots. We do, we do. And
0: we wonder why we're not getting what we want in our life. And here's why. You attract or detract your own circle of people based on who you are and how yep. you show up. So if you have a mask on, and you don't like all the people around you, actually it's not their fault, it's yours. Take your mask off and start attracting and detracting the right type of people for the person that you are. And you only steal, again, time and team away from yourself when you don't do that. And I can tell you right now, I have the best friendships of my lifetime at my age right now. And it's because... I am the most whole human that I've ever been. And I love who I am and the friends in my life. They love who me. you are they and love, love who, who you are. Yes. They do. They love me, maybe even more than I love me, but I love <laughs> that they love me. But
1: that's okay. And they help me love me more. I love it so much. And that philosophy is as true for workplaces, for organizations, yes. as it is for individuals because. When you show who you really are, what matters to you, what you value, then you attract people who share that. You do. And when you attract those people that share that and you have a common vision of the change you want to create, that's when extraordinary things happen because it matters, right? It does.
0: And there's one word that you just changed with the plural, right? So values... Equals, when you align values, which is the heart, you create value, which Mm. is the money. So you want love and money, it's values and value. So align with the values and if your values are being compromised, get the hell out of
1: wherever you are as fast as you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you align values, you create value. so simple um but the truth in that is yeah because you've got everyone swimming in the same direction it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you know everyone's thinking about the same things talking about the same things diversity is so important but that common vision yes that's where the opportunity is isn't it It is. It's the foundation, right? Like it's the
0: the foundation so that if everything falls down around you and it will at least multiple times in your lifetime, possibly scores of times, when it falls down, underground, concreted, non-fractured strength and values sit in the earth and you can build back upon it. But if you are just showing up, with falseness and your values alignment is yeah. not there and you don't have the foundations, that, is gonna, that structure is going to continue to fall over and never, ever stay sound. And I think that it's got, like there's so much in this, there's so much in this that really go and discover your values. And if you don't know what they are, go and find people who can help you find your mm. values. I learned my values, I, I learned from someone else that one of my values was love. And the minute I accepted that and said, "Oh my God, it is! I just was like completely unlocked. It was like a big energy source that just yes. flows through my
1: body so unapologetically now. That's beautiful. And that energy is what everybody is mm. looking for. or if they're not looking for, it, it's because, yeah, they've they've forgotten, but that's that's what we can bring, mm. unlocking that energy. It is. We're, yes, we're going to have to leave this here and, you know, we've, we've barely touched on circonomy. I am going to ask you to come back. This has been an absolutely amazing conversation and I want to thank you for it. Um, I've loved it. I, I'm sure our listeners are going to love it. it is, um, it's, it's, what I love about it is it's a personal one, but it's so mm-hmm. it is so important and central to what we are mm. trying to do through our organizations because it's about allowing us be you, you know, it our is. individual, our, our whole human to show up and create value, real value in the world that we can be yeah. proud of. So thank you. And
0: I thank you. Well, I, let me say thank you because I just, to have permission to be yourself, so authentically like this, it really is very empowering. And again, it's not power over, it's power within. And so the gift you've given me today is to feel so safe and profoundly secure owning my whole human. And I really feel that that responsibility sits on all of us to give people permission to be themselves. Thank you for doing that today. I really do appreciate it.
1: Um, it's been absolutely my pleasure, and yeah, I just um, yeah, I've loved this conversation. So thank you, and thank you for showing up um, and being brave with that acrostic. Yeah, um, because you have certainly done that today, and you've inspired me hugely. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, and um, and I hope you will join us again, and um, and yeah, you come can back count second on it. time. Fantastic. Absolutely,
0: I will. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember, doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?